What is it, a Monday club and a Tuesday club? Uh, well, there was Monday and the Tuesday club, and then <laughs> when you text me Tuesday, there was a way I was going on Wednesday. <laughs> that much. Uh, That's fair enough. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTBGAA. Hello there, and you're welcome along to a very special episode of the Football Pod. It's episode 41. Paddy Andrews, James O'Donoghue. It's like we never went away. I haven't seen you in a while. How are you? Are you in the hood? Yeah, 41 for the year, is it? Yeah, I know. Clocking in the weeks, aren't we? Putting in the boilers, lads. Fair play to us. We're getting there. We're getting there. And we have a special guest this week, boys. Mark O'Connor is joining us from Dingle. What a guest. What International a guest. superstar. International superstar, yeah. What a year he's had. AFL Premiership winner this year with the Geelong Caps. Couldn't get the better of Jimmy, though, could he, huh? Mm. That's it, <laughs> Wouldn't be machine. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he may have been worried about another forward or two that day, was he? Nah, it was just just me. Okay. How would East Kerry go in the AFL? That's the question. Will he win it? You'd be wouldn't be far off. You'd be the <laughs> squads, anyway. The fact yeah. that they wiped the squad <laughs> in the final, I'm sure East Kerry put up a good fight. I don't know with the tackling it suited us. No, no. Well, that's the way you and Clifford tackle anyway, just to get your yellow cards out of the way. <laughs> Can you hand trip? Can you hand trip in the AFL? I think so. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to ask Mark. That's a black card in football. That's that's a skill. A little ankle Ankle tap. Peter Peter Stringer ankle tap. Yeah, that's that should be brought. That should be not even not even a foul. To be fair, there you go. Um, yeah, Mark O'Connor. Mark O'Connor was on the Kerry Minor All Ireland winning side of 2014, and that sparked a five in a row at minor level that would have spawned players like Tom O'Sullivan in 2014. We saw Shawnee O'Shea on the 2015 team, which Mark O'Connor captained. 2016 came along. David Clifford was on that team, scored a brilliant goal against Galway. The following year, David Clifford was on the team. That one in 2017, where he scored four goals against Derry, where they, in the game that year, finished 6-18 to 1-8 against Derry. So, Kerry... Isn't that mad, though? Isn't that mad that, like, it took eight years... From your minor winning team to win a, and that's when it was under eighteen as well. Yeah, yeah. it changed. The the fifth, like there is a massive jump. Like. Yeah, the fifth was oh, under seventeen level. And to be honest, looking back at that team from the under seventeen All Irelands in twenty eighteen, not a huge amount of them have broken through to senior level yet. Even for Galway, you have a couple of lads on the bench with Galway. They're on that team that lost to Kerry, and then you've had the likes of Paul O'Shea, uh, Paul Walsh, Dylan Ganey who we see at club level at the minute and carry, but none of them have really broken onto the senior team. So Massive ask. If you're, yeah. if you're looking, that's the absolute cream of the crop at inter-county level at that age. The best young players in the country and it's still, we've said it so many times in this part, it's no guarantee of success. Brilliant yeah. winning those competitions and, and mentally for those players, whether you like it or not, you, you probably get a little bit more enjoyment when you get to Crow Park and you, and you win a national title, but the step up, and like I say, that's an under 18. So, Looking at under 17 competitions now and the best players, it's no guarantee that in three, four, five years' time, you're going to be one of the main men on your county team. So interesting, but look, a couple of those guys have come through for Kerry. Mm. And I'm sure Mark O'Connor, the career he's had already over in Australia, they'd love to have their hands on him now back in yeah. back in the kingdom as well. But uh be interesting to hear his thoughts on it. Uh, a massive change, obviously, for him, but he's been one of the guys that's gone down there and had unbelievable success. Only five Irish players have ever played more than 100 games in the AFL. Mark O'Connor has 88. Um, only three have won a grand 
our Premiership medal as well. Ty Canelli, Zach Tuhi, his teammate, and Mark. So, look at James. It wasn't even just minor level. Like there was also Hogan Cup wins four in a row that Kerry Schools had. Uh, Public School yeah. Kirkadivna. He had back to back there. Fourteen fifteen. Mark was back to back, and then sixteen seventeen. The Sam and Clarny won. Um, two as well. So Mark so, had Mark had fourteen fifteen Hogan Cup All Ireland wins and fourteen fifteen yeah. All Ireland minor wins and. Before he left, he'd completed the car before he left. Like that's the thing. He was sick of it. Yeah, Gaelic football completed. Finito. Yeah, that was. I'd say. Do you know when you're when you're on that run though, it comes easy. Like and winning is such a habit. I know it's completely cliche, but they probably just rolled from final to final, complete confidence. It's incredible. CV though, isn't it? Like Holden Cups are hard to win. Jesus. Holden Cups and they're the worst last. They're the worst, I'd say. Yeah, they're a horrible defeat because you've to, you've been bigged up in school. The next thing you have to go back on the Monday. Oh, sorry, lads. <laughs> Last <laughs> no, that homework. Week. Take, the, take the week off homework. Yeah. yeah. Well, James, like he had, he had won a senior title in fourteen, and then the drought followed. Yeah. But like when you're chasing the, dubs, the drought followed. Yeah. Oh, for their loss. For yeah. their loss. Yeah. You when you're it. chasing the dubs in 15, 16, 17, Hey, there was no drought. We won about 15 monsters in the trot. <laughs> <laughs> when you're chasing the dubs in 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know in 19 there was a little bit of talk about, you know, they're missing Mark O'Connor and he's the man to potentially tag Fenton or go up against, you know, the Dublin midfield. He would have been yeah. behind David Moore and coming through. He was the next man in midfield. But by that stage, you had Shawnee O'Shea through, Tom O'Sullivan, David Clifford, bring up Yog Lake. Was there much talk about these kids coming through when you were on the carry panel in 14, 15, 16? Or were you just thinking they're just minors, like we we don't know what we're gonna get? Um after 14, there was. After they won back to back, 100 percent there was. Um there was there was no um there was no win by the miners in Kerry for a long time. Mm, 1994, um, 20 years. Yeah. And like Ooh. if anything, the the underage scene was was getting hugely criticised. Like we were getting drubbings to Cork, but we were still kind of giving two or three players to seniors every couple of years. I like, saw so it was still working. The system was still working. But yeah. then once you have the Mark O'Connors, the Shawnee Shays after that, your Tom Sullivan's, and then Clifford coming through, it was like, whoa, now we have like some serious talent. Who, so then when, who, when you do... Who that, Jimmy? Jack O'Connor, the first two years. Jack took the first Jack two was, years. Was and what, what, what was, was he approached? But did the county board put something in place and say this is a good or was it Jack himself going? We need to get the finger out here as well because ah. a lot of counties are probably looking at this. No, Jack, Jack, there must have been worried about how good they were. Everyone knew how good they were, definitely. And Jack knew there was a route back into the senior job, I'd imagine. Like, you know, like he, he probably yeah. said, I'm not going to get straight back to senior job. I'll go back to the minors, get a footing there and see what happens. He won two All-Irelands. Then he took the, the Kildare gig. Mm. But like when we were, like when we did kind of lose a couple of those games to Dublin and like you are kind of thinking, what do we have extra? And you have this unbelievable talent over in Australia. Like it, you are kind of thinking, would he ever just come back for, for a couple of months? Just, you know, yeah, give us something there. Give us that extra one percent, like so. Well, like America was always on the on the tip of our tongue. You know, always, always talking. The one that got away. come back. Yeah, the one that he's, got uh, he's twenty five now. He scratched the itch of winning the grand final. But earlier this summer, 
he signed a new contract which should keep him in Australia until he's 28. So we'll talk all about that now Lovely. in the next couple of minutes. Uh, one of the biggest stipulations in his contract seems to be that he's actually allowed to play with Dingle when he comes home. He got a slap in the wrist a couple of years ago when he came home and played when he wasn't supposed to. So uh, we'll talk a bit about that too. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this. We're going to be right back right on the here on the Football Pod with our special guest, Mark O'Connor, straight after this. You are very welcome back to episode 41 of the Football Pod and our special guest has joined us from Dingle. Mark O'Connor, you're very welcome to the pod. How are you? Very well, thanks. And uh, thanks for having me, lads. Yeah, delighted to have you on. What's the weather like in Dingle? Because it's pretty bad in Castle Mock at the minute. Paddy Anders has pulled out the, the wee beanie hat. <laughs> yeah, it's the orange orange level wind warning, so it's uh, it's fairly hectic down here. Um, Everyone's just afraid to put their, their heating on with these utility bills. I just wear the only hat at the bed and everything these days. Yeah, I have the woolly jumper on myself, so <laughs> yeah, it's the same everywhere, I think. You can't take any any notice of a weather warning until it's at least red. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that word, is that official word, James, yeah? Well, especially in, in Dingle. Oh, Dingle get it worse than everywhere else, in fairness. If it we get it, worse, we yeah. get it way worse down here than you do up there. Like. Paddy, it's your Dublin don't get lovely weather. <laughs> I don't know about that, Jimmy. We're soft over this side as well, you know. That's true. What, what's it like in Geelong at the minute? You're, you're, is it not summertime? Uh, there's actually, there's actually, I shouldn't laugh like, but there's been flooding um, in Geelong badly. And I, I saw actually a cricket. Um, we're, Geelong's just south of Melbourne, so it's about an hour out. Um, but I just saw there was a cricket game um, that was postponed at the MCG because because of flooding. Oh, yeah. um, Ireland's game, wasn't it? Ireland and Pakistan? I think it was, yeah, I think it was. Um, and Ireland had just beaten England, I think. Yeah, but I got away with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, went, they went ahead by like a run and then they were rained off. <laughs> Call it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be brilliant. But no, it's shocking, yeah, it should be coming into summer now, but it, it kind of okay. isn't. So, so they're giving you the thumbs up to stay home for a little while longer? Uh, they have, yeah, they have. Um, so yeah, I've missed, yeah, missed a couple of Christmases and I was kind of keen to stay home for... Um, for Christmas, really, you know, and spend a bit more time with the family and um and things like that. So yeah, the club gave me the go ahead, which is which is lovely. That's class. Was that an easy conversation to have with the club? Because obviously pre-season and a lot kick back in early, early next year. Uh no, December. So it actually ha- it starts in December. Um, officially. Um, normally it's early December and we train for about two weeks, and for them we get like three weeks off for Christmas. So I was like, for the sake of the two weeks where I could train here, um. I said, look, um, I wouldn't mind staying home. And to be honest, it was made far easier by by actually winning the thing. So, yeah. um, but not they're they're very easy with that kind of stuff. They they always take the players' um, thoughts and feelings into consideration. Yeah, no, you kind of you say that, but like when you think of professional sports, you you know the way I would look at it, it would be more ruthless, cold. Um, you're a commodity in ways like they're you know they're paying you to play for them. Um, I can't imagine every team. Would treat it like that no and there's there's you know there's a lot of Irish fellas out there now that um, probably wouldn't be able to say the same things that I would about Geelong um, so I'm, I'm very lucky for that um, but it's just it's just part of their culture and um, yeah I'm just I'm very lucky really um, yeah. with the people that you know I'd be dealing with because um, yeah it yeah they, they understand the person well they know I'm not someone who you know Run away and come back. Do you know, forgetting the two weeks off to come back heavy, or do you know, things like that. So they, they take that kind of thing into account. But um, no, I was, yeah. To be honest, I, I just was going to say, 
Do they have the calipers out as soon as you go back? They do, they do, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they get them straight out. So um yeah, we have to be cautious of that too. It was the same with the going- though, Paddy. Like you used to get you didn't come back until April when you won in Ireland, right? You could do that if you wanted, you just you'd never play that. <laughs> um it's a <laughs> It's funny, Mark, you say that. It is, depending on how the previous season went. Um, we'd be flexible enough with Jim. We would have been as well to kind of come back in January. And if you'd gone well the previous year, you might have a couple of extra weeks leeway. Um, if you hadn't, you didn't. <laughs> um, and Jim was great. He could always, he'd say, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. Um, and leave it up to you. And then if you weren't coming back in good shape, you just weren't going to play, you're chasing your tail for the whole year. So we said it, it's changed a lot, obviously, GA-wise, Mark, uh, since you would have went down, down to us, particularly th- this shorter season now. Uh, we touched on it for an example of Throne last year, the All-Ireland Champions just got back late. You know, they, they did it all. They're kind of celebrate, celebrating their holiday and stuff after Christmas and sure the season is two and a half months shorter. So they, yeah. they never got near getting back towards the the levels they were at the, the previous year. So I think it's different for teams. I think Kerry are away pretty soon, Jimmy, aren't they? You were saying? Fourth to December, yeah. After yeah, Dubai. Get away before Christmas. And like I say, look, it's individual players themselves. You look after yourselves or you don't. You, you, you take responsibility. You're not kids anymore, you know. And, and obviously for, for you, Mark, having a, had such a brilliant finish for the club and yourself with Geelong, that it's great to get that bit of leeway. You can enjoy yourself a little bit over, over Christmas and things like that. So... It's a nice touch, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Make the most. You yeah. me- you mentioned the performance and winning it in the final. You know, helping that as well. You, I read a piece that you'd done after afterwards. I think it was in the forty two, and you spoke about the team being in a bit of a flow state in that game. Like was that was that um, was that really how it was? Because you, you you smashed the swans. Like um, I admit, I got up early to watch the game that morning. Uh, I can't say I've been able to tell if you're in a flow state or not because my my knowledge of the AFL isn't the greatest, but you guys were well on top in that game. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, it definitely felt like we were. It just felt like everything. Um, just everywhere the game went, it just felt like we were on top. It just felt like we were a bit bigger and a bit stronger. Um, even though the Swans have been unbelievable all year. Um, so it was just, yeah, it just felt, it just felt like it was all going right. Um, and you know, it's the best day of the year for, for it to feel like that. So, um, yeah, by the time, I suppose, at three-quarter time, we were kind of looking at each other as if, you know, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd say we have it won by this stage, you know. It's clicked, like. It's clicked, like, yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, it, some people afterwards are kind of saying, like, oh, geez, but you probably would have preferred to win it, like, when it's closer. And I'm just like, Jesus, I, I don't know. Like, cause we had enough time to kind of soak it in. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and just like, uh, I suppose, be completely present and just enjoy it um, where you're not like fully, you know, engaged or stressed too much um, in that last quarter. It was an amazing, yeah, it was an amazing thing. Um, what, what was the reaction like after, Mark? Was it a case of, because it was such a dominant victory and a margin of victory, and like I say, it is rare enough in the biggest day of the year that, that you, you get such a comfortable victory. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable you had to work very hard to do it but was it a case the reaction that kind of Sydney had underperformed a little bit or you guys had literally just like you say you got into that everyone was present everyone's on the same page and it was your best performance of the year it was probably a bit of both or, or what was the reaction afterwards 
Yeah, we didn't really care, to be honest. It was just, you know, like it was finally we gotten over the line after, you know, because when you make when you make finals consecutively and go out in kind of similar fashion and having lost the last one, we just didn't care how it went um, as long as we got over the line. And yeah, it was it was unreal, really. And it was gas like it's um, obviously like Australia so far away from home, but my brother flew over for it. And um, anyway, we were doing, you know, the whatever formalities were there. There's like a lap and whatever else that you have to do with the team. And um, we we're just trying to soak it all in. And by the time I got around the lap, my brother was out in the field. So it's that. Uh, <laughs> Unreal. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. a few of my mates. Um, they're actually from home. Uh, they came out onto the field. So I was just gassed to see. That's um, like a that's like a county final when you you hop the fence to get in. That's brilliant. It was. Yeah, it was. My security around the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After the blitz. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was just gas. I don't know. Yeah. It was, um, that was certainly a good memory. But no, in, uh, in terms of performance it was definitely pleasing to perform on the biggest day like that's always going to be pleasing but in terms of how we actually got over the line I it just didn't really matter like and for yourselves that day um and we might get into the the breakdown of your role in Australia and, and what sort of a player you are like I think you you smash into a tackle in the first 15 20 seconds but in, in the build-up to that game am I right in saying that you were on the injury reserve list one of your teammates unfortunately got injured you're next in line so you're in I know you had started a lot of games at the start of the season, but what was your own prep like going in? What's it like preparing for a game two, three weeks out? You're not sure whether you're going to be in or not. Is it is it different than what, how we prepare for a game back home? Yeah, definitely. It's strange um, being on the border because I definitely was in the borderline at the end because um, I just wasn't playing that well, to be honest. And I kind of knew that uh, even through the start of the year when I was playing those games, I was kind of like, geez, I'm not actually, I'm not actually playing very well here. Um and that was fine, like whatever. Um, and is that, a, is that an internal thing? Sorry to go across you. Or are your coaches and teammates pointing that out to you? Or is that just how you felt? No, they weren't. They actually weren't. But I, I certainly felt that way. I knew that way, really. Um, and I feel like, well, they mightn't have said it. I think they were just waiting for me to click into gear. But I just I just wasn't like clicking, clicking back to um, how I felt like I could play. But yeah, coming into the final... Um, it's funny, I'd say it was round, I don't know what round it was, it was towards the end of the year anyway, I got, um, we were doing this thing where, like we had, because we have depth, we were doing, you know, we were giving, we were giving certain fellas a rest, uh, like every week, but I kind of felt like when my rest came, like that it wasn't, like they said it was a rest, like, but I was like, I'm, I'm dropped here, like, you know. We've all been there, Mark, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, and I knew, like, I was going to just take a couple of days off. <laughs> yeah, and like, even though, like other fellas had gotten legitimate rests, like, but by the time it came to me, I was kind of like, I genuinely think this is, like, I, I don't think I deserve to be playing, like, you know, that kind of way. And then once that happened, like, it, I kind of, I was kind of like, right, now I have to cop on. Like, and it it finally kind of felt like it dawned on me. And I kind of felt I was still the I was still the medical sub, so I still ended up playing. And um, so the medical sub is basically if someone gets injured, you're allowed to come on and you have only one medical sub. Um, so I was still the medical sub and I still ended up playing, and then I end up playing the next week. But I started to feel really good about how I was playing then. Um, which is a weird thing because which was a terrible like I didn't feel like I could go to the I like, I could have went to the coach and said, look, I'm flying now and blah, blah, blah. But you, it's just not, 
you know, it, you'd rather do it out on the pitch kind of thing. Yeah. So I never wanted to be the one to go in to the coach and say, all right, I actually feel good now. Like put me back in. Um, even though that's definitely how I was feeling. Um, I just felt like I turned a corner um, and I was feeling really good. But even, uh, I don't know what game it was then. I played in each of the finals. Um, and then it came to the prelim and I was the medical sub again. Like So the medical subs are very likely to play, but like just in a less minutes kind of thing, because someone nearly always gets injured. Um, and anyway, I came in and I felt really good and I was playing really well. I was like, oh, like this could go, this could go fine. Um, but then obviously Max got injured in the same game, Max Holmes, um, and he's had an unbelievable year. Um, but he was holding his hamstring and I was like, right, that's not a good look for someone to be playing next week if they're holding their hamstring. I'm like, right, I'll be in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but but even just for, You're good for your teammate, obviously, that he's injured, just <laughs> for the record. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it actually is legitimate. Yeah, it's very, it is cliched in terms yeah. of, you know, you, have to, you kind of have to say that, but you, it genuinely is very mixed because um, he's young as well. Max is a lot younger than me. He's 20, I'd say he's 20, like 2021. 20, wow. He had such a good year. And the thing about it over here is that if you're not playing in grand final day, you don't get a medal. Jeez. So that's like, 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 if you don't get game time, if you, if you're not in the 23 players that togs off, on the on game day, you don't get a medal, and that is, that is harsh. Yeah, it's and that's that's why it's mixed. Like, cause you you know, like, like you could play twenty four games, and the twenty fifth game is the grand final, and you're not getting a medal. So it's like, it's very, it's very ruthless in that sense. Um, but in the build up, yeah, I kind of had a, I kind of felt like I was going to play, but then it was touch and go because it wasn't, it wasn't his hamstring. It was more his nerve or something, um, which I wasn't fully over, but he was, he was testing away and apparently looking really good. So then I was on the, you know, I could have been medical sub again. So I was like, I still probably would have played in some capacity, but I, you know, he'd obviously rather um, the full game. Um, so it was the night before. Yeah. They told me, I was like, they said, yeah, look, you'll be in for the full game. I was like, perfect. Um- and were the boys already on the way over by that stage? Obviously they were like, because they wouldn't have made it in time. Well, I actually met my brother about an hour later um, to give him the tickets and the whatever else, the passes to get into the rooms and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just told him there and he was delighted, um, obviously. Um, Class. And yeah, and then it worked out well. Do you know when you're saying, right, that you weren't going well or you say you weren't going as well as you could have and then you suddenly kind of clicked into gear, like what, what, attributes did you not bring to not be going well? Just like in football, you're saying even if you catch two or three kickouts to get yourself into a game or you might kick a point and you're back in the flow of it, then like what's what happens in AFL that makes you suddenly go right, I'm on it? Yeah, well, I, I just wasn't bringing much intensity to be honest. Like, and, um, my competitive, like I, I'm normally very competitive, but I just wasn't at the start of the year. I was, you know, I was kind of happy and, you know, I was happy to watch the kind of game go by if it was going well. And like, I actually played well in the, in the closer games and the, the tighter ones. I was actually, I felt really good in those, but the ones where like the ones where we were looking really good and um, fellas were like, fellas were lifting. I was kind of happy just to sit back and, you know, kind of watch it all happen, which you can't do. Like, and I understood that kind of, I understood it was happening, but I found it harder to change. Um, even after understanding it was happening, I do, yeah, like 
I do remember coming off at one stage uh, in one of the games earlier in the year and it was going really, like the game was going really well. And normally like fellas are dying to get back on because stats are a huge thing in Australia. Like they're massive. Um, so fellas like to get their stats, um, you know, in terms of touches and things like that. But I was like, you know, it just, it, that kind of stuff just didn't bother me in the slightest, which is yeah. funny laughing back now because of how, how it worked out. But like, if you don't take pride in your own performance, like you're just not going, you know, it's just never going to go well. Um, like, yeah, and when when it clicks, like, do you know what it was that clicked? Yeah, it was, was, it, was it that fear. Oh, it was very much a head thing, and um, I do I do a bit of um, I do a bit of work. My uncle is very good with the the heady kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. and to be honest, I just wasn't bothering him for for a lot of that um earlier period, but um. Yeah, by the time it came, where I was like, "All right, I see, finals are kind of coming. I have to get my act together." And um, then the real soul searching kind of came out, and um, and then I got dropped, and the dropping kind of really helped me, um, in a sense, because I was kind of com- I was comfortable is probably the word. I I probably just felt too comfortable, and then the dropping kind of happened. I was like, "Geez, right, um, let's go again," kind of thing, and I I just felt really good. Um, but again, as I say, like I just left it, I left the try late. Sometimes the dropping can be important because as well, if you're, no, I'm not saying this happened to you, but it's happened to me in the past where like, you're actually not going great, but you can't, you can't get back up to your level without being taken out for a, a week or two. Do you know, you almost have to be taken out just to kind of settle yourself again, because your mindset is just kind of, is you're not as sharp because you know, you're not playing as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's such a it's such a strange mentality, but like the manager needs to be able to know when to take a fella out to actually help him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes just taking a fella out of the fire a bit, like it's it's so common, Jimmy. It's it's gas, Mark. Here you you say that as well, and we, we all would have experienced that as well. Where I think the first part of it is having the self awareness as a player to, to kind of say there's nothing worse, and I'm sure we've been in teams where you can probably see teammates struggling. And they're completely oblivious to it. And, and the coaches are kind of looking at them and going, this fella, the penny's not dropping here. And then yeah. it comes into maybe the relationship you have with your teammates where you can have those honest conversations. Or, as you're saying, the environment with Geelong where there's a positive relationship with coaches and things like that. Or someone like having, having your uncle where you can have a chat with someone around that. And you need that, really that moment to go, shit, it kind of it dawns on you. And it takes you out of your comfort zone. We used to always have a thing that the worst place you could be in elite sports, whether it's AFL or Gaelic football or any sport, is your comfort zone. You know, if, if you're there, it's just it's the biggest enemy to, to success in, in elite sports. So it's funny for you to have that awareness yourself and then, yeah, get maybe a kick in the hole off the, off the coaches to get dropped. And like I said, we've, we've all been there ourselves as well. But it gives you that, really, that focus again and, and energy and for you to be able to turn it around, I think that's a brilliant story that, that maybe not a lot of people would know, you know? Yeah. Do you know what we did one time? We had a, we were, we were all in the comfort zone with Kerry. And which year? Every year for those six years you were. But Fitzmaris brought in this support psychologist and we had to all write down, I think it was one good thing about everyone else on the panel and two things, two bad things. Oh, that's so you're getting 60 Anon- bad things. Anonymous, fellas, huh? All anonymous, anonymous, yeah, completely yeah. anonymous. You're getting 60 insults into your inbox 
on a Wednesday morning. I could get out of bed. I'm absolutely depressed ever. You were the yeah, team. What were you, what were you getting all Don't you like? It's anonymous, but you're now sort of gone. What were you getting back, James? Give us the team of your own. Don't break anyone else's uh, thing. What were you getting Mine back? Mine was like, um, oh, t- t- tackling and yeah, sure, uh, sure. some fella said I was didn't pass the ball enough or something yeah. like that. I was like, Fuck off. That's not true. <laughs> you, you, you took it on board like that. It was possible. <laughs> so, yeah. Who did, like, go, who, who did you go in on? Who, was, who did you slate the most? Go on, give us a name. Oh, what year was this? I forget what year it was. It must have been 17 or 18. I'd imagine 17, I think. Who did you have a cut off like? I had cut off nobody, sure. Nah, sure. Come, on, Come on, give someone a name. <laughs> Five years ago. I actually can't remember. I thought I said anything bad, but. What sure. are the facts? It was actually hard. So by the time you're you're on your thirtieth person, you you don't give a shit what you're saying, really. And did it work? Did it work? Ah, uh, so we hated each other for about six months after. Psychology, what I would. Speaking about that, uh, Mark, you could see it. Um, well, definitely you could see it in the aftermath when you're playing county championship, and all your teammates have flown over from Australia for a little tour of. Uh, of Ireland, I know they took in Port Leash. They got to see a bit of Zach Toohey's place, but they were down in Dingle too. You got the sense that there's a real family element to your squad in Geelong Cats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's very funny seeing them over here. And um, you know, there's a few, there's a few Geelong jerseys like up in pubs and stuff here. So like any any time they'd look like they'd look at me as if to say like, what's <laughs> like kind of thing. It was it was funny, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, it's very you spend so much like it's like any environment you spend so much time with fellas that you just get to know them inside and out and um i suppose now that we can travel and stuff and there had been i think had seen a few um geelong people over its time um pre-covid even um so they probably relayed stories back and then there was a massive group keen um to get back this year um and yeah they came they came to the we played croaks and um, the quarter final and they they all came to that which is which was gas so um, yeah it was great to have them around what was what the general review yeah huh? what did they make of it like what did they think of the football they loved it yeah they loved it um, didn't know half the rules I, I I got a point I got a <laughs> I kicked a point and they were telling everyone that night about how good my goal was <laughs> everyone, everyone was looking at him as if to say like that I told them I kicked a goal like and <laughs> I was like lads no no it's not like but uh, they loved it yeah they loved it um, but even the small town kind of stuff when they came to Dingle like and everyone knowing each other that was very foreign to them and, um, oh, it was brilliant class and there's been a lot of talk on this football pod over the last five or six weeks about Monday Club um, James Donahue. I don't even know if you experienced it uh, after East Kerry won, after the slate, and you gave the South oh. Kerry boys for going to the gym on the Monday in 2015. That was different. The season was over. Did you go to Monday we Club have... this year? No. You didn't? Okay, that's fine. Well, that's what because was... our Monday Club won't be until we're Legion. finished our season. Legion, Legion, Legion. 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 Yeah, we well, know. a little bit of respect for you, Eddie. What, what was the Monday Club like in Geelong? Yeah, the Monday Club was... Um, we do. Uh, there's a tradition in every, basically every club that you, um, you Mad Monday they call it. Um, I like that. Or step, I don't know. Is it every club? But um, in Geelong, anyway, everyone kind of dresses up as something. Um, and some people put serious effort in, and then some people like, 
some people just find something the day before to put together. Um, but yeah, the Monday Club is brilliant again this year. Um, it's basically yeah, you start at I don't know eleven o'clock and have breakfast together, and then um, off you go. You're so about your day. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was watching some of the celebrations afterwards, and there was a YouTube video on the official uh, Geelong page that said, "Too old, too slow, too good," and it was basically all the boys dressing up. Well, can you explain that to us? Like, why are you all dressing up as OAPs after you won the grand final on the Monday? Yeah, it was uh, just because we've been. Uh, we I think we are the oldest. We have the oldest panel in in the AFL, and we have done for for a few years. Um, and that's always kind of Mark. That's that's ref- the most experienced panel. The most experienced. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, yeah, and that's always kind of been what the I suppose critics have said has been wrong with our with our club and um, why we haven't achieved as much success. I suppose so. Um, yeah, when we did win, lucky we won. I hope I hope they weren't going to do it. <laughs> Had we lost, um, because it, w- it wouldn't look great. But um, yeah, once we won, it was fine. And yeah, sure, there was I suppose whoever was over thirty-one or two dressed up as yeah as an older person um, yeah. or a very experienced in life person. <laughs> and yeah, and then the rest of us just did whatever else. Um, but yeah, there was a massive group of them. Um, did the media have a big impact? on the group when you're in a professional environment? Uh, certain fellas love it because um, certain fellas are, are working in the media even as players um, so they'd be seeing um, they'd be seeing a lot of the talk or a lot of what's being said but, um, So what, they'd be doing a bit more punditry while they're still playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's Yeah, yeah and then yeah and then there's there's huge access really to players over here, if you if that's kind of the path you want to go down, um, and some players do. Um, How's that? Tri- like the GA are old school marketers. You would have experienced as well. It's like when you're in an environment, any intercounty team. It's the media are nearly like very on the outside. Deal with them as little as humanly possible. We had it with our team, Jimmy. You would have had it with Kerry as well. And it's it's only when you step out of it you realize, well, okay, that's it. Doesn't really have that much of an impact, but. Compared to, to Aussie rules where it's a professional sport, it's, it's probably a more commercialised sport, obviously. Is that, how do the coaches, would that ever, if a player's not playing well, he's doing media stuff in the middle of a season, is that, do the coaches kind of turn around and go, oh, you're not focused or any of that type of, because that's what would happen GA-wise. Yeah, 100% that would happen here, yeah. What's the attitude there in, in all clubs or, or even specifically around Geelong? No, I I can really only speak for Geelong. Um yeah. But certainly now I haven't. No one's ever been berated. Um, in my time there, it's no. It's it, they're very open to you doing things outside of um, outside of actually playing. They actually encourage it. Um, so it's yeah. As long as you as long as as you don't give away any trade secrets, it's yeah. um, it's all good. But you're nobody. You know, if you're doing media, like you can't be. You kind of that's a prerequisite, really, that you know that you just can't give. Yeah, you can't give away too much. Yeah, you do a lot of internal stuff as well after the games. I've seen you doing the locker room tours after matches as well. Um, but that's kind of in-house media stuff too. That There's kind of a big emphasis on bringing the fans inside. And like you mentioned the stats earlier on, how important they are. I know a lot of people over here, they follow the AFL through the, the AFL app, which is unbelievable. Like It has an unbelievable level of knowledge and uh, statistics in it. Like yeah. It's outrageous. Like. Yeah, it's everything is just recorded. Yeah. Um, 
Like See, we, barely know, we barely know our top scorers over here in Ireland, like. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're way behind, lads. We know it, like. We know the crack. Well, Pat's plan said the stats are killing the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's a, it actually has a massive impact on the game over. It's because if the games are so long, and I, I think that's probably what it stems from, and yeah. people don't generally watch the whole game. So they can look at their phone and say, he had 30 touches. And generally, if you say someone had 30 touches, that's a very good game kind of thing. And, you know, if you're striking it up in conversation or if, or if it's in the media and um, if someone says, oh, so, so-and-so had 32 touches um, and a goal or something, then that's automatically kind of a good game. But I'm, I'd be more of the opinion. If you give it away 16 times and you had it 20, <laughs> what, what good is it like? Yeah, yeah. But in fairness, like it, there's the most midfielders get the most stats because they're around the ball the most. There's 90 stoppages a game and it's always the midfielders that are around it. So they'll get the most touches. So it's midfielders to get most talked about, kind of like the scores at home. Like it's whoever kicked one and seven or whatever it is would be the one talked about. Um, but it's just very stat oriented over there. And um, What are your key metrics that you're looking at for yourself or do you care about that? Well, it depends. Um, so like if, if I was on one of their very good midfielders, my metrics would be how many times he actually touched the ball or what impact he had or how many meters gained, um, things like that. Or, you know, I, I basically, it, it is helpful in gauging um, impact um, in a lot of ways. But if you're on, if you're on one of the best players, it's not necessarily about your stats. It's, yeah. it's kind of more about him, him. Yeah. negating him. Yeah. 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 And that's been a lot of my role over the time, um, whether it's a forward or, um, so, you know, similar to a cornerback, like if yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, Mark, but you're describing yourself as a cornerback there, and my heart sank. Yeah, it is like oh, basically, like it might be, or yeah, if you're if you're playing on the wing and you don't, you're not necessarily playing in the best opponent, then you would probably look at your impact and how yeah. many times you touched it or whatever it is, tackles, all that type of thing, and like when you're growing up right as a kid and you are are you six are you six three six four yeah six three i'd say yeah six three your midfield on teams growing up you know you win hogan cup back to back all Ireland minor back to back you're captain at 15 you're in the middle you're fetching high ball you're kicking points like you know there's a there's a lot of elements to your game in gaelic football like that do you get the same enjoyment out of being a stopper and a tackler and you know, dispossessions and chasing boys down. Do you, do you get that same buzz from a match or is it different to what it'd be like in Gaelic football when you're maybe fielding high ball or doing the, the bit more spectacular? Uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily enjoyment, no. Like, um, if, like, if I, if I had my way, I'd be like, I'd be the fella getting heaps of stats and doing like, doing all that type of thing. Sure, I know I'm not, I know I haven't been at that level kind of thing. And that's ideally where, you know, it would be great to do that, something like that in the future. But sometimes you, yeah, in terms of enjoyment, like definitely catching ball and doing all that kind of stuff, it's, you know, that's fun. Like, but in terms of if the opposition have an elite midfielder and I'm like, right, I want to kind of go head to head. Like that's very, that's very fun too. Yeah. Um, Cause you, it also gives you a chance to get involved when you're around the ball and you know that they're going to want the ball. 
So, you know, they'll take you to it. And that's where it's like, really, I, I try and make it kind of a one-on-one thing. That's really enjoyable in a different kind of way. Um, Cause you'd have got a lot of plaudits for performances like that over the last, especially two years, 18 months, um, taking out Brownlow medalists or, you know, uh, the main opposition players from reading about it. Like, yeah. And yeah, I probably struggled at the start because like you're allowed to get away with a lot of things over here. And like you, by the end of the game, like you just kind of feel like a terrible person. Like, you know, you're, you're kind of there to ruin someone. Like with that, Mark, you could do that. Like. Yeah. Like you, you do feel like you, you feel like a bad person at the time. Like, but then you get used to it, I suppose. And you kind of, you start to relish it because you kind of have to, and you know, it's part of the role, you know, it's part of the game. Um, but yeah, um, my, it's, it just roles always evolve, um, depending on what you can showcase. Um, so, has it changed you as a Gaelic footballer? Jesus, as a Gaelic footballer, I don't know. I've only played the two games in the past <laughs> four or five years. So it, it's definitely a different fitness football. Um, just more, obviously, free-flowing and um, very fast and, and all that type of thing. So that was a, that was a shock to the system, right? But geez, like, yeah. No, were, you sweeping, totally... were you sweeping against East Kerry? You had six uh, in the back, didn't you? Yeah, I was mainly. Um, yeah, I was kind of wing back, coming back, and um, I probably didn't get as, get forward as much as I would have liked. Um, but yeah, conditions yeah. were bad, and um, I suppose yeah, the forward line East Kerry had it was probably best that I do stay back for the most time. Mm. You were tagged with Man Mark and James Dunne, who obviously that day. I wasn't, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was happy to stay clear, James, that day. I was keeping an eye on you when you were going forward. I was the man to chase you. I was going, I'm using my legs to get back there now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you play in the rain, like in Australia? I imagine like that the weather can be absolutely diabolical over there as well, would it? Uh, it can, yeah. And it could be, it can be fairly tropical up in Queensland and stuff. So even when it's like, even when it's not raining, it's very humid. So like it, the ball might genuinely be just as slippy as if it's in yeah. In um, so yeah, and it's like about it's it's way worse than than a Gaelic football when it's actually wet. It's like it's very like a bar of soap. It's like um, and then the odd shape for it as well probably doesn't help. Um, but yeah, and you're not allowed to wear gloves unless you get them ticked off with the AFL. So you're not allowed to wear gloves. I wonder why no one did. You're actually not allowed unless no, dispensation no. or something. Or uh, I actually don't know why. Um, you should bring over the the Macassos. Remember the the yellow <laughs> girls. Yeah, yeah. They were like, "What is he wearing?" <laughs> James James kicked off. Uh, you talk about media controversy, a major controversy earlier this summer where he slated a load of the Cork boys for wearing gloves on I a sunny slate. day. I would never slate it. I no, said, "I thought you were slated." It was a hashtag #Glovegate. It was a vendetta. You wear gloves on a dry day. Mark, could I ask? We were only chatting before you came on. There was an unbelievable period of which you were a key part of an underage success for Kerry between it was a four Hogan Cups between yourselves and the same five All Ireland Miners in a row. And, and we're saying that Kerry probably didn't have that sustained underage success. There was always a couple of players coming through, but you were right in the middle of that, a key component, captain winning all Ireland with the school and with the county. And you could see, we could even see it in Dublin. It was like, Jesus, some, there's going to be some players coming through for Kerry in the next two or three years. And there was a sense all around the country because it was so dominant. 
was that a hard thing for you to then step away from that? Like, like okay, I get it, it's, a, it's a, an amazing opportunity to be a professor and athlete, but that group you would have been a part of with your school and, and the county team and being one of the, the captain of it as well, was that a, like emotionally really a massive decision for you, for your family, or how difficult was that? Or was it easier just to say, I couldn't turn down an opportunity like that? Uh, it was easy at the time because I had a very short-term view in the whole thing. Um, I remember sitting in the Hogan watching the semi-final that year um, where the press happened and yeah, we pressed them, <laughs> Dublin's kick out and it was almost like a kind of reverie. 16. Reverend. No, 16. would have been 2016, yeah. Yeah, two goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was almost like a revolutionary kind of thing and um, <laughs> oh, impressed. I, Mark, they were cracked at that stage. <laughs> who, who, won, yeah. who won that game? Yeah. Yeah. But I remember I just remember <laughs> thinking that's that's where my future kind of was. Um yeah. and then by the because my knees were just no good, um I kind of saw the Australian opportunity as a way to basically get a preseason under my belt and learn a lot about my body and how a professional environment worked while also getting my knees right. And then I was like, right, I could go home after that. <laughs> right. And I'd still be there in time for a championship. Were you thinking that? Really? Yeah, wow. I was. And I actually told I told the club that in the meantime. Um, <laughs> you'd, and I'll be heading away here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, three months no, I only told them like, yeah, in the past year and a half, and they found it very funny. Um, but no, I was thinking that, yeah, I was just thinking um, how much I'd actually get out of it in terms of, yeah, just learning about professional environment, fixing my body, getting fitter. And then everyone taught me how tough uh, preseason was. And I was like, geez, I might as well do a preseason um, to, to gain that experience too. Um, and then I was like, I'll flake away after that. But by the time it came, by the time the first game came, I was like, I might as well try and play a few games. And, and then I played a few games in the twos kind of thing. And then try, I, got my, I got my debut fairly early. And then I was like, geez, am I? And then I got dropped the week after. Um, because like, I didn't even know like what was happening, to be honest. I was just, it was so fresh. I didn't know if I was playing well or playing poor. And then yeah. I was like, geez, I wouldn't mind trying to get a regular spot in this team now. And then it just kept their steps kept coming in the way. Every couple of weeks, short term view, every couple yeah, of weeks. Probably yeah. because like you're young guys going over there. People are going over 18, 19 years of age and Nearly, if you go over, yeah. going over for three or four years, it's so long term. It's such a massive yeah. commitment that can nearly put people off. I remember, like, obviously, Kieran Kilkenny be a very good friend of mine, and he probably went with that mentality as well, Mark. And he did come home after five or six because he probably had the idea, I'm actually going to be over here for three or four years. And it just seems such a commitment at such a young age that your approach, nearly in a way, it's just small <laughs> steps. Took and the pressure off, like, yeah. Yeah, you're you're taking the pressure off you and your family and stuff. That's that's an interest because we've had a couple of people on who who have done it. McCann, Conor McKenna, obviously, and Ray Canal and, and guys like that as well. But I don't think anyone's had the honesty, I suppose, of, of making the decision like that. And look how it's turned out for you. You're one of the longest serving guys there now, so incredible, yeah. But tell me this, Mark. Like in sixteen, say when you were playing football and your knees were almost at an all-time low point, right? Or maybe 15, 16. To then go into a pre-season in Australia where, as you say, it's 
traditionally absolutely gruesome. Like, how do you go from kind of like, what did they do to you over there to allow you to do that after coming from such a you know, period of pain in your knees? Like? Yeah. Initially, when I went over for, I went over for two weeks to do a combine and test and things like that. My knees were actually so bad that I couldn't do most of the events. Um, and I had said that. And then I went to different clubs and said, look, I can't do much trialing, to be honest, um, because of how limited my knees actually were. It could flare up. It could flare up like that in one turn. Um, anything like that. So I was, I went to Geelong and they did a medical on me and I remember the physio and he was doing a few tests and he was like, it's this knee, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I oh, yeah, no stress. We'll have that fixed in three months. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, how do you mean? Like, and he was like, ah, oh, like you'll train, you'll do, we'll build up your training and you'll be perfect in three months time kind of thing. Right. I was like, I, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, good man, kind of thing. <laughs> and he was like, going away out now and train or whatever. And I did. And I went away and I said, Jesus. And then when I signed, it was just that they had, what was it, four, three or four full-time physios. Um, they have a program in place. And by the time Christmas came, I probably had three, I was probably there for four weeks, I'd say, at this stage. They were actually pulling me back from drills. They were like, you're actually... You're at your limit now, but I felt so good um, that they were pulling me back from some of the runs and stuff. And I was feeling really fit because I was on a watt bike heaped because I couldn't run. And then by Christmas, I was like feeling really good. And then I went back and I was testing really well, even up against the older fellas um, in terms of running. Um, and it just built and built and built. And I was feeling really good. And by the end of my first preseason, I just felt amazing. Um, and that's probably that contributed as well to staying as well. Um, that's just that difference, Mark, with just the, the quality, the quality of physio and, and the full time kind of attention that you're getting. That you, you just don't, you're not going to be able to get that in GAA. That's with all the will in the world, whether it's with Kerry, whether it's with Dingle, with, with any county team, and there's some great medical teams there. It's just the, the time, I suppose, that you're just not going to get in a, that you do in a professional environment that got you through. Like, yeah, and it wasn't necessarily the quality because, as you know, James, like Jorkeen. Joaquin at the time was working on me night and day. Like he was trying to do everything he could, but he also had to look after mm. how many clients outside of Kerry would he have had, James? Like he would have had heaps of people to look after and he could not have done any more for me. Um, and like, I was obviously grateful for that, but once the opportunity came where it would just be full time focusing on one thing, it just kind of was like, it just made sense. Yeah. So like, was it lifting weights or was it like band work or was it hands-on treatment and rubs? Like what was it that took you out of pain even? It was a combination of all of it. It was strengthening first and then slowly, like really slowly introducing running and different types of running. And it was really, um, it's like, it, it's like any injury that I've had that they've, with how they've dealt with it, it's kind of like attacking it from different angles and different treatments has always kind of helped. Um, but certainly the building up of strength, um, that was part of it. And then it was the constant monitoring as well. How are you feeling now? Like, how are you feeling today? What's it feel like coming in? All that kind of stuff. And like they changed the program on a day-to-day basis, depending on how I'm feeling. Wow. Um, and it was just really specific and um, monitored. Well, I, I have picked up something there. Stephen O'Neill, 
was retired, right? And he said that he hit the Watt bike. And Mark, it on the you pod. put down a winter on the Watt bike and you came back and look at the career you've had. There's the Watt bike, knee injuries, boom. Don't know who. Two years ago, the bike for Christmas. You're calling Jack. You're That's calling Jack in February. Actually, I don't think Stephen O'Neill's actually a Watt bike. I think it was some, some old mountain bike. Yeah, rally, rally Max. Give <laughs> me your Rally Max to get back to the Kerry team for next year. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Zipping around clarity. But it's interesting you say about the physios because I remember when I was picking up a lot of knocks and I was strapping my two shoulders and my two ankles, right? Shoulder strapping was taking like 12 or 13 minutes per shoulder, right? So that's 25 minutes on my shoulders, right? There'd be a queue out the door and next thing I'd have my second shoulder strapped and I go, hang on, that's, I have the two ankles to do now as well. None it's of the other lads get a look in. We had, this, we had this with Bastic in our place. Bastic was playing, he was still he was fucking 40 at the time of his final season. And it'd be 45 minutes. And we're like, what? Oh, everyone needs to get something done. And he's lying there. He's like a mummy going out of our Jesus Christ. Oh, it is demoralizing. Mark, that year before you left, um, reading back in it, like you're, you're captain in 15 for that second minor All-Ireland in a row. You're man in a match. I'm reading that you actually struggled to go down the stairs after that game. The knees were that bad. In 16 you're straight onto the carry under 21 panel. Am I right in saying that you only played the Munster final that year or the, the game against Cork that year? Did you, were you struggling with injury up to that? And then Cork beat you in 21s. Fitzmaurice called you in. Did he call you into the carry panel? You're on a match day panel for a Clare game in the Munster semi-final. And in the report that day, it says that, um, did you break down in the warm-up? Yeah, I did. My knee, oh, I was doing, it was literally the kicking, I'd say it was the kicking in the start where, you, you're kicking with a partner about 20 metres apart and yeah. um, whatever whatever way I loaded my leg my knee just ballooned and I looked down and it was just yeah, it was just full of liquid and um, that was kind of my day done I kind of whispered it to Ger, Ger Keane, um who was the physio at the time just to see if there was anything he, he could do before I actually before I say anything um, but it was just um, yeah it was just banjax So you, you were kind of bouncing from you must have felt a little lost then were you? I felt what? Sorry, you must have felt a little lost in those years with the with the knee before you went to Australia. Yeah, I was just yeah, it was, it was debilitating really. I, but I never, I I didn't really help myself either. I never stopped um, playing with whatever team I could play with. Um, it was actually I was in UCC at the time. Actually, they probably um, felt a bit let down by having me there because I didn't really play um, with them that much. Um, because I, I genuinely couldn't, like it was just, it's not that I didn't want or anything, I, ju- I just couldn't um, move very well. Um, and then I just tried all these different strappings and stuff. And that was probably, I was in the, with the carry panel that year and I was really trying to get back for a Dublin game as unrealistic as it would be to make a debut in that type of environment. But I was really hell bent on doing something like that. And when that came and it was obviously um, an upsetting end, I was there by that stage. I was kind of like, yeah, I didn't really know what to do from there. Yeah, but it's 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 so common. We, we the best young players like in your position, Mark, that they're being pulled to play schools, club, intercounty. They're going in playing Sigerson. We've spoke about it on this podcast. Guys are getting injuries and stuff like that, and it's so difficult for 
for young guys at night, 18, 19, 20 years of age, being dragged to five or six different teams. And look, they're the best players. So every coach wants them in there. And it's, it is an issue. And exactly like your, your situation there, with guys are getting injuries and there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse as a player when you can't play games. You're, you, you do, you feel like I'm letting my teammates down from my club or my school or my college or whatever it is. And, it's still a massive issue in GAA. And it's like hearing it from, from the horse's mouth, really, with yourself, the situation you went through. And that's probably, what, five years ago? And it's it hasn't changed, really, has it, lads, from what, what we've seen even this year with some of the, the young players with Sigerson and things like that. So it's just something that is front and centre for GAA that they need to they need to find a balance because it's, it's all too common, the situation you're talking about. Yeah. Did the minor change up help? Yeah, like it's hard to know if that's helped. And now there's a debate raging at the minute to Don't bring it back to bring it back to minors. And I, that hasn't that hasn't. I don't think that's worked. Well, I don't. I. It's hard to know if it's worked, but there's definitely a strong consensus to bring it back to minor and just forget about the reasons why it happened. But it definitely felt like twelve from 2009 to 2014 15 burnout and the amount of overuse was at an all time high around that time with with players playing at so many different teams. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely a factor that needs to be brought into it as well. Um, Mark, do you mind if I move you along to, uh, I suppose, 2020, and you're actually in the mix to, you've been given the thumbs up to play for Kerry in that COVID year, and Cork happens. It's nearly like the fans of Kerry, they've, they've, Okay, sure enough, they've got a couple of the boys through, like Thomas Sullivan and Sean O'Shea and Brian O'Bioglick and David Clifford. But they've been waiting to see Mark O'Connor and 16 injury, Fitzmaurice has you in and injury happens. And then in 2020, you're still in quarantine when um when Mark Keane buries the boys in, in Cork that night. Very cool. Were you were you in the mix to had conversations happen? Were you in the mix to play for Kerry that in that kind of super um short championship that that winter? Oh, well, I was in the mix to be involved anyway. Um, yeah. How well it would have went, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I got, I got home and um, I kind of kept it really quiet when I came home. Um, and I was in, I was doing the quarantine thing at home and we were actually watching the game. Um, I was watching the game with my family in the, in the sitting room. And anyway, like it was kind of looking good and it was a, ter- it was a terrible day. Oh, uh, with the wet ball and everything and um I think it might have been was it Connolly that kicked it in high and yes um and then yeah it fell he in went, no, he went he went for a shot yeah he went for a shot and it dropped it was an awful effort and we, we were nearly cheering I was watching at home as well I was like ah oh, that's it no and next day just fell but into a man's hands was it the same day Cav and Beth only got yeah so the same, same? Oh, no the same sorry no no Tipperary Cork was the same day as Cav and Beth only got wasn't it yeah. And tip tip B Cork then the must have Dublin Dublin in the semi. Yeah, uh, we we've Cavan. The whole thing, it was a brutal championship. It was my my last year with Dublin. Like we, like we were probably expected to play you guys as well. I think everyone was expected to be Dublin Kerry again. Was it, what tip in the final? No, no tip lost to Mayo. Tip lost to Mayo. We played Mayo again for about the millionth time <laughs> in the final. But uh I remember watching that game as well and I think it was the consensus. You probably took your eye off the ball a little bit, Jimmy Ditches, or you know, still should have won the game. One in 20, the Cork were going to beat you, but would have been a nice one just the way it panned out, Mark, if you were back and I got the opportunity to play. Because, yeah, just you, time, those couple of months, that whole championship was just weird. Like, so mm. 
I remember the goal went in like and <laughs> we were just all looking at the TV and then everyone's heads just slowly pan over to me like <laughs> in the room. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't know where to look and then I, I just got off. I just walked out of the room. I didn't say anything. I was just like, right, let me process this whole thing and um, oh, get me back to Australia. Hi, and you think you're going to, you know, I was like, yeah, lovely. Like this is huge. And then obviously that happens and it's just taken away. And it's not necessarily something I had that was taken away. I, I just, I don't know. I probably had in my head, right, finally I get to. There's a chance. There's a chance. And then bang. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, that was horrific. Yeah. Scratch. You got to scratch that itch because um, you negotiated a new contract in the summer, right? It was in the summer this year. So you're, you're 25 now. Um, is it a three-year deal to till you're 28? Uh, Two-year two-year year deal is there a clause in that contract that allows you to play for Dingo when you come home <laughs> there's not but uh, they've been so accommodating anyway that um, yeah I haven't needed it one of the lads actually said that Michael Jordan by the end had a he had a love of the game clause that he could play basketball <laughs> wherever he wanted <laughs> like, I could imagine I could imagine walking into the GM's office asking for a clause that Michael Jordan had you tell me to get right talk up. to your agent Mark talk to your agent yeah. you're the AFL now you're big time you're that's big brilliant time. <laughs> it probably shows um, your progression over there and how they view you that like I know you were, you were young when it happened but you got a bit of a slap in the wrist from playing a couple of years ago when you were, you were young that was all ironed out and now like this year you've won the grand final, all the boys are over watching you play and it's a re- it's come real full circle. It has, but in fairness, I, with how I handled it that time, it, like it's not, um, I probably went for the, don't ask permission, ask for forgiveness, forgiveness approach because it was just so quick. I, I flew in on a Wednesday. Approach, and I love that all- approach. Yeah. Easier to ask for forgiveness, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that well, I actually had no choice because it was so short term. I flew in the Wednesday at night. The lads were training. I went straight up to training just to see the lads and kind of knock about. And um, then like a day or two later, the lads were like, oh, do you think there's a chance? Like, And I was like, Jesus, yeah, like I'll, <laughs> I'll play kind of thing. And sure, that would have been the middle of the night for Geelong okay. anyway. So they're like, like, but they're, your, they're <laughs> the lads that you grew up with. Like, They're the, the lads from the club saying this to you. They're really pulling at the heartstrings. Uh, exactly and I did a very poor job of explaining what it actually meant to me um, and sure they wouldn't have had a clue like they wouldn't you know they're they're probably like oh you, you know it's something you don't get paid for and it's like you know like it's your local club like whatever kind of thing but they, they, they didn't at the time understand like who's involved and what it actually means to community to family and um, to everyone else and I did a very poor job in fairness of actually explaining that um, and I, I actually did a very poor job of understanding that you know as a professional with a contract, you can't actually do that type of thing. Um, and they actually had one of their recruits over at the time and he was actually at the game the next week. And I, I feel terrible to this day, but I just gave him nothing. Like I was, um, I was, yeah, I, I was, I didn't play after that. Um, and that was a quarter final, and they beat East Kerry in the semi and we went down to Crokes by a point, I think it was in the final. And that sure that ate at me then for, was that the year that was? You would have been playing in that final then? Yeah, yeah. Oh my um, God, that is a fucking sickener. So that is a sickener, yeah. And that was probably as close as I was to staying on. Jesus, that's mad. Really? That, that, that kind of emotions of those couple of weeks? Oh, that was, yeah, it was It was just an emotional roller coaster. Like, And as I say, my body was feeling amazing and I'd, 
I hadn't actually played football in years where my body was playing amazing or yeah. where it was feeling amazing. And I wanted to see how it went um, when I actually feel good. Um, yeah. And I was feeling really good. And then that happened. And yeah, it was, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't okay. ideal. Jesus. So we can we can put it on the record that there's no love of the game clause. There's just a love of the game understanding. Okay, that sounds good. Um, there was a, a lucky coincidence when you moved over as a kid, uh, to, as well as going with the work that it did in your knee and how the short term view on how you'd approach things in Australia helped you. Zach Tui joined in the same off season, didn't he? Yeah, he did. How much of an impact did that have having someone like that who had, and I know you would have had Tyg Canelli and you would have had maybe Tommy Walsh. I don't know if you, you spoke to Tommy much about his experience, but there were people around you that you could speak to, but having Zach Tui as a teammate over the last couple of years, how much has that helped you? Oh, massively. Um, and I say it often, even if he, even if he wasn't in the same team or wasn't as good to me as he was, it would have been an inspiration anyway, because of what he's actually done in the game. Um, so just having him at the club has been brilliant. Um, and he actually called on to Dingle there a few weeks ago as well. Um, so that was great. And he's, um, yeah, he's, he's done something really special over there. Um, and I suppose it probably, it would probably take an Irish person to go out and um, actually see the game and go to a few games to understand what he's actually done. Um, it's, it's pretty special. Um, but yeah, for me, I just got pox lucky, to be honest. When you say what he's done and, and the standing that is held in, like you've played 88 games, I think, in AFL. Only five Irish recruits have ever played over 100. We know that yourself, Zach and Ty Canelli have, you know, premiership medals. Pierce Hamley's obviously a player that's gone over there and made a massive name for himself. Where, where is Zach standing over there in the game? Uh, like he's not just a great Irish player. No, he's not. He's not. Uh, I'd say the percentage that have actually played 250 games would be, I actually, to be honest, I'd only be guessing, but I'd say it'd be about one in 20, maybe five, 5% or so. Um, and then get people who've played 250 games and have a premiership medal is even less. So, um, yeah, that would probably, the stats would probably bring stats back into it for that type of one. Did he, did he come home? He's part leash, isn't he? Did he, he played a couple of county championships, I think, did he? He did. He was telling me the last day he has eight county championship medals. Yeah, they're, they're what? Very, they're well, like not, he's into uh, the early years. Port Leash were, were flying it, yeah. They had a great team. Sure. and those guys. He would have he played a few of them, yeah. He came home so and played county championship nearly every year. Uh, he did before, but um, it was gas. He was actually, when he came down, he came down for the game against East Kerry, actually. And he stayed in Dingo that night and he was, he was there. The lads were chatting to him anyway. <laughs> Got it, obviously, you know. And then he was there. Ah, yeah, well done, lads. You know, I have, I have eight county championships. <laughs> <laughs> they almost came over. They did the Rowdy leash medals. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know how that works. It must have been, yeah, when he was when he was at Carlton before he came to Geelong, I'd say he used to come down or go home and play. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. usually yeah. one. Jeez. I, you probably get this question thrown at you every single time, right? But I'm going to go around it in a roundabout way. What was it like watching the boys you grew up with, a lot of them, winning an All-Ireland final? You would have woken up early that morning to watch it with some of your housemates, I presume, the All-Ireland final this year. What was that like emotionally? Yeah, it was just very, very mixed. Um, yeah, I was like a fan in one way. 
And then I was like a friend. I was obviously friends with heaps of lads. Um, and then, yeah, I just felt like, I suppose opportunity cost often comes into it when you, when you leave somewhere and do something else. Um, so the opportunity cost factors kind of came into it. And um, yeah, so it, it was kind of all of that into, into a bit of a cocktail. Um, and it was two in the morning. So I was, I was wrecked tired, got no sleep that night. Um, but yeah, I was, the overarching feeling was definitely delight for the lads. And um, especially like my club mates, um, because in care, like it's been a bit of a, you know, not a, not a great few years um, in terms of all our medals and for particularly Tom O'Sullivan, um, who I grew up with, um, didn't have one. Like Paul Ganey, um had already won one. Like, so I was like, right, great for him. But geez, Tom, the amount of work Tom's put in um, for him to actually get over the line was, that was, uh, that was fairly special. Yeah. Yeah. He was robbed this year of an all-star, wasn't he? He was, he was. Um, yeah, because he was on, I thought he was on, because I actually watched quite a few of the games this year and I thought he was on for possibly player of the year if he, you know, off the final went really well for him. Um, and then for to be shafted in the end was, uh, I thought was um, fairly harsh. Yeah, I think we were on the same page there. But, do you know, Tom won't lose any sleep over that either. Do you know, he got the biggest prize. He'd be delighted. Do you know, he's a top lad, isn't he, Tom? He's a serious operator as so. well. Uh, he is like, he is... Um, but yeah, just yeah, to actually get the All Ireland medal now, it's like it's almost like the relief that right, you know, the first one's out of the way. I have one, like, and now I can drive on again. Yeah. If you had to take one footballer to Geelong, who would you take? Jeez, <laughs> I better not pick a carry man. <laughs> yeah, don't pick her. No, <laughs> feel free to. Yeah, bring Clifford over with you for a couple of years, like. <laughs> oh no, yeah. Well. Like yeah, Jesus Clifford, he'd he'd succeed anywhere. Um, I playing with Shawnee growing up, um, in minors and that uh, Shawnee O'Shea. I was like, he just had everything. He had the work rate, he had the talent, um, he had yeah. the mindset. He just had everything. I was like, yeah, again, you could just you could drop him anywhere and he'd 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 be fine. Yeah, yeah that, I agree. That clutch moment this year, um, that free. Patty, yeah. Mark, what? That's, that's a sore one. I, I was, that was actually, that was, that must be moment of the year. Inside in the stand, press box. I was beside a, him. A little tear down the edge of the eye. <laughs> he kicked a better free against the stacks last week, didn't tear. he? There were no tears. He did, to be fair. Yeah. Mark, you've been brilliant with your time, man. It's been great getting to know you over the last little while and, and having you on the pod. Thanks a million. Um, you're back home for the next couple of weeks. What is 2023 going to look like for you boys? Are you chasing, obviously, the defence of the title again? What's that going to be like? The the, the back, baby. Yeah. What's that going to be like? Are you going to be hungry? You mentioned the, the questions about age of the squad. Yeah, who knows? Um, but that was it was actually another thing that everyone always talks about, the mix of emotions when... Um, when you actually win one. Um, one of the things that really struck me and will, will stick with me throughout the years the, is everyone everyone on our panel was on the ground afterwards and they were kitted up in their Geelong kit. And again, like that, they're probably like, geez, I've missed out. Delighted for you, but I've missed out. And they'd be some of my better mates now as well. So I was kind of almost like, geez, like we'll have to, we'll have to go again. Um, 
And is that some of the younger crew? Like mainly, mainly, yeah, mainly, yeah. We actually, my draft year was fairly, it was very big, and um, we have some really good players. Like they'd be very happy now at our draft in terms of retention because the turnover is very, you know, mm. turnover happens every year. Um, but our draft kind of did very well up until now. Um, so you'd be kind of very close to those fellas, and some of those fellas missed out. So, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I I, I don't know how we'll react. Um, yeah. Hopefully very positively. We'll be keeping a close eye on that. And I know you'll be on the Watt bike the first two weeks of Christmas this year, doing your own preseason. Uh, the, the Kerry itch, you've said it before. It is something that you want to do someday. That still exists? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, geez, <laughs> to know how realistic it is after after playing in the last two games, I definitely have to change my body shape up a bit and <laughs> um, make a few changes. But no, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely always going to be there. Mark O'Connor, top class. Thank you for joining us on the Football Pod this week. It's been great to chat to you. Fair bless you, Mark. So, man. Thanks, Mark. Congrats again. Good year. Thank you. All right, that was class. Mark O'Connor, the one that got away, James O'Donoghue. Absolutely. Top fella, though. Typical Kerry lad. Sound as a poem. <laughs> class. Wow, uh, yeah, That's he's so grounded, isn't he? Oh, it's unbelievable. Just talking to him. Even yeah. that self-awareness, Paddy, earlier in the year where he knew... It just wasn't going right. Wasn't sure how to get it. And he found a way to get himself back. Best players have that. I'm telling you. They don't need someone giving them a coaches getting on their back. And so if you know yourself, if you're not operating at your best, then for him to have the okay, little nudge off the coaches getting his rest and, and reaching out to his uncle and having a chat about it. It's for, for he's a young guy, like like I know he's He's had a brilliant career in Australia already, coming up to 100 games and, and winning the Premiership, but he's still, he's 25. Like, yeah. You know, to have that awareness to, to, to do that, it's, look, it's a brilliant story. I think we could see it. Like, I'm a dub. What you're looking now, you see himself and Zach too, the success they had. You just love seeing Irish guys going down there and, and doing so well. And look, I think, I think you get a sense, he'll, I think he'll play for Kerry one day. It's probably going to be a bit further down the road than, than Kerry supporters would like. But uh, you just get a sense he loves the game still, you know. And uh, no, it was great, great to get an insight from him to the background there. It was very nice. If he's 28, like, and he he actually said there at the end, he was like, he kind of knows that maybe his body shape has to change yeah. a little bit. Maybe, maybe trim down. He probably doesn't need all the strength he has maybe for for GA. So, like, yeah. by the time he's 28, 29, he could be. Canelli was late coming back. What, what age was Canelli in 09? Oh, 32. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you like, go bring the cliff with him that for next season, be ideal. Have you seen the AFL app with the stats? No. You gotta get on this, boys. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it has literally every single possible statistic you could possibly look at. But Mark O'Connor, six foot three, 89 kg, and he togs out big over there as well. Like he he is an animal when he's playing. Well, I used to say the Sunday game I was six for four. I wouldn't trust any of those stats. <laughs> Did you? Aye, six four, 14 stone, beast. <laughs> the little fella, not even six foot like <laughs> o- on. Occupation. Are you five you five eleven? Five ten. Five uh, five eleven and a half. What are you, James? Five nine? How dare you? Five ten. Yeah, I'm a little bit taller than you, Jim. You flick the hair with those, well. Yeah, yeah. And I have those things that you put in the shoes to give you an extra, like, two or three. <laughs> you have all the tricks. Yeah, look at him. What a man. Uh,
was yeah. Boys, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us again on Football Pod to everyone at home for listening in. Gurmina Mahagat. Lads, we will catch up next Monday. Au revoir. See you later, boys.